From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. When Get Out was released a year ago, Jordan Peele didn't allow himself to dream of Academy Award nominations. February is known as a dumping ground for movies, and the Academy rarely honors films in the horror genre. But Peele's 4.5 million thriller was a slow-building hit, grossing more than $250 million and resonating in popular culture. Meanwhile, the Key and Peele star received Best Picture, Director, and Screenwriting nominations, thrusting the first-time filmmaker into his own surreal world where he gets to meet his heroes. Here's Peele talking about meeting Paul Thomas Anderson and having to admit to the director that he didn't see the visual masterpiece Phantom Thread in 70 millimeter on a giant screen. But, you know, with, with, with Paul, and, you know, I loved Phantom Thread, I told him, look, I, I loved, I, I, I just adored this movie. And he said, oh, how did you see it? And I was like, well, I saw it on a screener. And I just saw his, like, face and <laughs> shoulders drop for a second. And I was like, oh, jeez. I, uh... I've uh, I, hopefully I did not uh, lose Paul Thomas Anderson forever. I don't think but, you did, but I didn't. Yeah. No, I we've <laughs> um, we've we've since had lunch, and he's just like, he's the, he's the, he's he's just as cool and nice and funny as you as you w- want him to be. You expect him to be more moody and intense. He's not that way. As far as I, I met with Peel ten days before the Academy Awards during a quick swing through the Bay Area. We also discuss a few of Peel's favorite Bay Area-based films and the chances the director might set a thriller in San Francisco someday. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Jordan Peel, welcome to the Bay Area. Thank you. you. Do you get out here very often? You, you married into the Bay Area, I know. I did. I don't, uh, I don't make it out here too often, but m- way more in, in the last uh, five years than ever before. In fact, I, I don't know if I had made it out here before I met Chelsea. Well, I, I'm going to bookend this podcast with provincial questions. Okay. Um, so but I did want to go into, this is, I think, the, is this the anniversary of the release of Get Out? Just about. If not, if not today, then this week, certainly. Yeah, so we're recording on Friday. Do you remember that day? I'm sure there were premieres and you had seen the screening with friends, but I'm wondering if you did anything special on that day. On that day. Um, I know that I did not see the movie at a theater that day. Um, it was one of those things where all the, the press leading up to it and, and everything, it was the... The day it came out was kind of the first day of the rest of my life. It's kind of what it felt like. Um, so I probably just had a sort of, you know, chill day at home, um, uh, uh, obsessing over texts and, and, and tweets about the film and trying to, <laughs> trying to gauge how it was doing, you yeah. know, like that. But um, that, that weekend was, it was Oscar weekend. And, uh, you know, I, I remember feeling... Uh, nervous that you know film lovers would be taking Sunday at staying home on Sunday and you know hoping that didn't um, uh, hurt that opening weekend now of course in retrospect it's you know it was uh, you know the 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 movie you know did did what it did you know because of word of mouth you know so it it it, it wasn't a factor but when we had a good Sunday uh, 
good Sunday numbers, I knew we were uh, s- starting on the right foot. So good Sunday numbers and then an incredible week-to-week carryover. What did it drop, like 15%, 20%? Like 20%, I think. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm, I, I, I was learning on the job about what that means and, you know, this whole cinema score thing and, and, and the idea that it's really the, the audience, like the depreciation of the, the audiences that come out is really where the, the real success of a film is determined, uh, at least for this one. And, and this was, you know, I, I think Jason... Blum called me and was like, "Buddy, this 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 doesn't happen. I've, I've I've never I've never seen this happen. I've never seen this. This is I I don't know what to say." Uh, so I knew I knew we were in a uh, we were we were gliding. Did you at any point? Um, now I know you know you have the premiere, and I'm sure everybody's going to tell you they love it, and your friends and family. At any point, did you kind of just put on a baseball cap low over your eyes and walk out to a theater to just see what a crowd was like? I did. I did. And, and, you know, I, I, I ended up seeing the movie, gosh, I, I feel like it was probably 10 times in the theaters um, between previews and premieres and then um, sort of doing what you're saying, sneaking into a few. And there is no, there's no greater reward than seeing, or I should say hearing, an audience experience the film. Um, uh, because you... Uh, you, you can, it, it, first of all, they, what they volunteer that is surprising to you is just fascinating and already feels like the beginning of this collaboration that kind of continued into the conversations after the film and the, and the art inspired by the film, but um, also just the, the moments where, you know, my sleight of hand as an artist really worked with a capital W, I mean, nothing's more satisfying than that. You know, sleight of hand, I mean, it, it seems, I've watched it four times now, and, and each time I watch, I, I see more and more places where it could have gone wrong. Um, I think if the cast wasn't as good as they were, especially, you know, the people playing the, the parents, it, it could have gone in a different direction. Um, I, I think your lead had to sell at that point an hour in where he hears Get Out, and every other you know, kind of cheaper horror movie, you're like, well, why doesn't he get out? And it's, mm-hmm. you stop believing because you're wondering why the guy doesn't just run. And you had to write around that too. Right. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, making the film, did you see it all coming together or was it something that it just had to be seen by audiences before you realized these things were working? Uh, no, it, you know, it was, that was all extremely intentional. And, and you're right, every role had to be sort of pulled off and p- pitch perfect. Um, first of all, you know, the, you know, I always say like due north on the compass is reality. It has mm-hmm. to feel real. Um, and you're, you're generally safe if a character feels real or what they say is real. Um, with Daniel playing Chris, you know, just about every scene we would, we got pretty intricate or, or pretty precise in, in how we talked about where his state of mind would be to sort of not betray the audience. You know, we, we're, we're expecting this guy to be as smart as we like to think we would be in this situation. And so when somebody screams get out in his face, you know, the following scene, um, if he's sitting there with Rose, which he is, he's sitting there and he's getting an explanation as to what's happening. 
And, uh, you know, I think we, we, we recognize that um, any movie would, any movie can have their, um, you know, protagonists sort of go back into the state of naivete um, after being given this explanation of the seizure. But, you know, f for Chris and Daniel, we needed to know that his character was, was done, was yeah. done with this thing, and he was waiting, you know, politely waiting a second, and then he was going to be gone. And the next scene, he, of course, says, nope, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Were you happy that you didn't, and I'm wondering, maybe along the way, you thought about acting in this movie. It seems like the TSA agent role was made for you. <laughs> Were you happy you weren't an actor in this movie along with everything else you had to do? Yeah, very happy, very yeah. happy. I'm, I'm, um, I mean, first of all, because, you know, the, the actor I did get, Little Rel Howery, was, you know, more than anyone on the planet, was the role, was the perfect performer for this role. Mm -hmm. um, and I really did have that sense of like, wow, I didn't realize I was writing for him, but I was writing for him. And when he came in and auditioned, it was clear. Um, but also, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't enjoy acting nearly as much as I enjoyed directing. And I knew that I needed to have a bird's eye view on this whole piece. I can't be concerned with what I look like or what I feel like, or if I need another take, or if I'm gonna blow my own movie, yeah. To that extent though, I mean, did you bring a lot of your improv toolkit into this film and how did it help you? You know, first time director, it didn't look, it didn't look like a film that, you know, you were, you were having trouble putting together. Thank you, thank uh, you. I, you know, and we, we did have trouble putting, you know, I think every film has its trouble, and but you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I think my, my starting point, my, my comfort zone as an artist is, is with going with the flow and, and, and accepting these boundaries, these limitations as gifts. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a very important balance. You know, you, I've, I've been the architect of this script and this story, so there are certain things that just need to be so, but there's an, a surprising amount of wiggle room in how you pull, achieve those things and pull those things off. The story could take place in many different houses with de many different looks. I, I knew, all I knew about the house was it needed to feel isolated. I needed, I needed it to, and I had, you know, I had that written in that it was a sort of plot of land that was surrounded by woods because I needed that feeling that if he did run, where would he go? Where do you go into the woods? You're, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But after that, the house, you know, it, it could have looked like it could have been many different houses as long as it was isolated. Yeah. Well, I, I also have to ask about February. Um, February movies, I mean, that's when critics like take their vacation because nothing's coming out in January and February. At that point, were you thinking about Best Picture, even when it got all the good reviews and got the good response? Were you thinking Academy Award contender early on? You know, you, you have, that, that's been a dream of mine since I was a kid, it, yeah. sort of being in that conversation, but it was something I, I assumed would never happen. And I didn't, I didn't presume that this was going to be the film that would get me there, um, uh, mainly because it was uh, early in the season. It wasn't, you know, going to, you know, uh, sort of be. There was no promise it was going to be relevant at the end of the year, um, and the genre, 
It really was the you know the genre of the horror thriller is so rarely held with you know this esteem. So uh, you know I had that I had this dream scenario, but um, you know a, a dose of reality was uh, was was keeping me from uh, getting my hopes up there. Yeah. I, I have to ask if you got a chance to um, meet any of the directors beforehand who were nominated with you and um, what the relationship has been like since then. I, I, it, it was during the this season, so before the nominations came out, I think I met, well, actually, no, I met, um, I met Greta uh, at a Vanity Fair shoot that we did together. Um, a huge fan of hers. I met Guillermo at a panel. Um, he's a real brother in arms in terms of genre and just one of the nicest people ever. And I believe I met um, Paul uh, at the the Gotham Awards mm-hmm. briefly. And I, you know, I sort of fawned all, all over him. I was How like, do you react to that? To me, yeah, he was he's very cool customer, and yeah. you, you, you sort of you, you compliment him, and you realize, oh yeah, he's used to this. Yeah, <laughs> he's used to compliment. Um, uh, so it, it 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 didn't phase him, but you know, I was very um, pleasantly surprised that he was a fan of my work. He was a fan of Key and Peele. Um, really, Phantom yeah. Thread director uh, is a Key yeah, and, is a Key awesome. and Peele head. I shouldn't be surprised. It's a great show. He's yeah. and you know he's uh, of course uh, you know his lovely partner Maya Rudolph. It's it's cl- uh, and worked with Adam Sandler. He's a real comedy yeah. fan. Um, so uh, but you know with 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 Paul and you know I loved Phantom Thread. I told him, look, I I loved I I, I just adored this movie. And he said, oh, how did you see it? And I was like, well, I saw it on a screener, and I just saw his like face and shoulders <laughs> drop for a second and I was like oh jeez I uh I've uh, I hopefully I did not uh lose Paul Thomas Anderson forever I don't think but, you did but I didn't yeah. no I we've um we've we've since had lunch and he's just like he's the, he's the he's he's just as cool and nice and funny as you as you w- want him to be you expect him to be more moody and intense he's not that way as far as I can tell yeah um and I believe I met um uh Chris Nolan uh, after the nominations, and he's just uh, the kind of guy that you just uh, enjoy being in the presence of, and every thing he says about film or his process, you you you, you soak it in. Did you and Greta bond? Because you're in kind of a similar position. Yeah, yeah, we really did, um, and I'm I'm such a huge fan of hers as an actor, and then. Um, and then Lady Bird was is just amazing. It's 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 this uh, it's so refined. It's and yet it 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 touches everyone on a very um, grounded, personal, um, off uh, balance note almost for being something so specific and so refined. It's so it's great. But uh, you know, as a person, we we totally bonded, yeah. and we were yeah in the same boat of of wanting to do this for so long and uh, uh, getting this uh, opportunity and having our first movie be these real dream projects. Um, and, you know, there's few people you can sort of talk to about what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're, you know, we, we have a, 
you know, a brother-sisterly bond. I, I think we have 10 days to go. And you mentioned the word surreal. Have you been to an Academy Awards before no. in person? And no. So of course wh- not. <laughs> How would I have gone? I don't, you know, the, we didn't, the, me as the EMT uh, in Little Fockers was not <laughs> nominated. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, the, you know, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm in a perpetual state of denial and pitch, pinch me and I'll, I'll kind of have to look back when it's over and say, wow, that, that mm. happened. But, you know, this is such a, it's such a, it's, it's a dream, such a, a long time in the coming just to, you know, be able to be a part and be, you know, a, a fly on the wall in that world and in that environment and to be um, honored that night with the nomination uh, or three nominations is I, I, I can't, there's no context that makes that make sense yet. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to end with a few just kind of rapid fire um, off the cuff bad segue questions. So right. first one, um, thank you for elevating the hardest working members of our uh, federal government, or at least least appreciated the TSA, uh, TSA TSA agent. What's the best response you've gotten from a TSA agent since this came out? It's, it's, it tends to be the same response. They're still responsible. They still do their, their job, but just most of them, there's a thank you that uh, you know, that uh, somehow I, you know, helped them be seen in a, um, in a better light, um, which is crazy to me because they are the, you know, they pat us down, but they're the, the first line of defense against mm-hmm. terrorism. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it, there, there, there's a, a real warmth there. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's all it is. It's, I don't have any sort of specific things except, yeah, that, yeah. you know, thanks, thanks for the movie. Um, it, 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 it means a lot and it's, it's cool. Well, I, I wanted to ask you too. Um, there are a few Bay Area movies that I thought would make a great double feature with yours for various reasons, mm, but kind yeah. of the B movie type of vibe elevated to higher art. Um, so I was going to give you three and just get your reaction if you've okay. seen them. And first of all, I, I know you've seen the birds. The birds. Yeah. Do you remember where you saw it, and, and do you have any thoughts about it? Um, I, I saw it. I'm, I must have seen it first time on, on a VHS at, at my house. Um, and uh, it was it's 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 a movie that I I can watch over and over again, and every time it feels like a different experience. Um, it's my favorite thing about the birds is that, um, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a concept and that it's not over explained. There's no moment in the birds where they go, well, you see what's happening is the barometric pressure, um, created a radio frequency and then the bird, you know, there's this, you know, implication that there's an environmental implication to it, but, um, it's, it, it just is that the yeah. birds are attacking. Um, I, I, I think it's, and I think it's one of the aesthetically the most powerful horror films of all time. You know, he, Hitchcock came through the um, Bay Area. I dig in the archives a lot for the Chronicle. Usually this podcast is recorded in our archive. And I read all of his interviews with the Chronicle. And first of all, his premiere was up in Sebastopol for all the Bodega Bay residents. There was no Hollywood premiere. That was his mm-hmm. premiere. But the other thing, it, throughout his interviews it's all about the environment 
huh. man versus nature. That's what he focused on. Uh. Like it wasn't about the actress or the horror or anything. He was talking about the environmental aspects. So um, wanted to share that. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1977. Mm-hmm. Philip Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Any Donald thoughts? Sutherland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another really um, amazing tone to it. Um, particularly in retrospect, you know, I just, I love that time. Um, it, it's, it is a time where the B movie premise is meeting the elevated, um, style, you know, I mean, the seventies were such an amazing time for film because, um, they, there was such a focus on artistry mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, sort of being renegade in the filmmaking. Um, so I, I think that's a fantastic movie. Um, really creepy. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a remake that surpasses the original. Um, and uh, yeah, creeps me out. And final one, this is actually my number one, even though it's not a traditional horror film, my number one one I'd want to pair with Get Out, The Conversation. Uh, ah. Have you seen it? Yes. You, you know, yeah, I've, I've, I've you've seen, seen everything, haven't you? No, I haven't <laughs> seen everything. I get stumped a lot. Yeah. The conversation, I haven't, I haven't seen the conversation in probably about 20 years, but, yeah. um, but I, I remember I watched it probably four times um, uh, 20 years ago yeah. in, in a row, just got obsessed with it. Um, it's a masterpiece. You know, that's one I, I, I actually link to Blowout as well, the uh, Brian De Palma film. Um, two films about this or oral investigation um, and this the, the detective work through th- this you know audio concept um, conversation as well has this uh, just a, a tone unlike any other mm-hmm. movie I mean um, Gene Hackman's performance the the you know the really the the, the piece of it that resonates the most for me are the sort of just the loneliness of Hackman's life and that you know that iconic image of him playing saxophone alone and playing the jazz saxophone and that sort of be therefore being the soundtrack to the movie in in a weird way um yeah I I take that as a really you know amazing compliment I, I don't quite know the connection you're making between well i i think it's a combination of the actors are um not just the actors the actors are so on point but it seems like the whole crew you can see where you know from sound design to uh production design to art direction it just seems like everybody was part of a symphony Mm. and i felt like that with get out i felt like it could have gone wrong in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways just like the conversation could have if you didn't have a buy-in from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think about the, the you know, the, the, the sound to the conversation is so important. And, right. and get out, t- till the end, the end credits, you've got that, I don't know, I forget who did Michael the, Abel's. Michael Abel's. It reminds me of a, a Goblin, Susperia, the soundtrack. Right. I mean, it just brings you back into what you were thinking during the film through the credits and you want to sit through it. Right. So I, I think the two films have a, I don't know, just a tightness to them. That, thank you, yeah. thank you. I mean, the, the score and and the sound of a movie is fifty percent of it, as yeah. far as, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you you experience a movie with your eyes and your ears, and so you have to put as much um, attention to that part. And um, 
with Michael, you know, the whole, yeah, we love movies that, where the score is unique to that film. And, and you know you're watching something different when you're, when you're listening to the score of the film. So he just, he killed it, his first movie. It's just amazing. So last question, provincial bookmark. Would you ever film a movie up here? Something you'd want to do? I would. It's, it's, a, um, it's, it's, it's actually a goal of mine. Um, you know, there's a, an amazing light to the, the Bay Area. Um, um, and there, you know, there's, uh, I've, I've seen just some incredible skies. Um, but then also just to absorb some of the magic that Hitchcock was picking up in Vertigo and the birds at Bodega Bay. Um, uh, the, the, I think there's a West Coast beauty noir that is only, you know, only possible here. Yeah. Well, thank you for making Get Out. It was my favorite movie of the year. Thank you. I, I tell people I feel like Dean from Get Out when I tell people that because it's like such a white guy thing to say is Get Out is yeah. my favorite movie. But yeah, it really was. As long it, as it's not the first thing you say to a black person, you're fine. <laughs> just wait for them to say it and just. <laughs> well, thank you very much thank for coming you, on the big event. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. If you're enjoying the big event, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Thank you to my guest, Jordan Peel. Thank you to Chronicle movie editor, Leba Hertz, for working tirelessly to make this interview happen. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.